Hey you, welcome again to the Workprint Podcast. I'm your host, Christian, and today we've got a special treat just in time for this Halloween weekend. In this episode, we're joined by writer and TV producer Jason Holtham, whose works you may have seen in several superhero-adapted favorites, including Freeform's Cloak and Dagger, Netflix's Jessica Jones, and the longtime CW Network favorite Supergirl, which is airing its final season right now. I interviewed Jason about his latest project in Marvel's Wastelanders, Hawkeye, a limited 10-episode podcast series that premiered on October 4th, starring actors Stephen Lang as Old Man Hawkeye, the final Avenger, and uh, Sasha Lane as Ashley Barton, his daughter, who's got a real lot of uh, a whole lot of bag of bones to pick with her dad. A riveting tale about a daughter-father vengeance story, this Hawkeye storyline is set in the Wastelanders universe, where in a dystopian future, the villains of Marvel have all taken over the world and defeated almost all of Earth's mightiest heroes. The series is also set in the same type of universe as the Old Man Logan story, which Marvel fans have likely seen adapted on the big screen in Hugh Jackman's final performance as uh, Wolverine and Logan. Suffice to say, this is all pretty gritty. Uh, the Wastelanders Hawkeye series is available on the SiriusXM app and the Apple Podcast. Special thanks again to Marvel for this dope opportunity. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the Workbrand Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and theworkbrand.com. actually been looking at your previous credits and your career seems pretty awesome um, from playwriting to TV and now podcasts um, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for this Marvel one in particular and how the series has been going so far so um, before we delve into Hawkeye let me ask uh, can you tell us a bit about your uh, journey from writing plays to scripts and uh, how do you feel about uh, you know writing podcasts and, and whatnot absolutely well yeah uh, like you mentioned I, I started off as a playwright uh, lived in New York writing plays and working in theaters for a, a long time. Uh, in about 2012, I made the jump to L.A. Uh, to pursue TV and screenwriting uh, and wound up uh, getting staffed on actually a bunch of uh, Marvel and comic book shows, Cloak and Dagger, Jessica Jones, and most recently Supergirl, um, cool. which I was a writer on for their final season. Uh, and then, yeah, this sort of fell into my lap in a way. Um, you know, Marvel had these podcasts. Uh, I obviously had some uh, some ins there, and this seemed like a, a great marriage of uh, 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 my ideas and their material, and uh, it seemed it all seemed to work. Uh, writing for podcasts is definitely a very different medium. <laughs> um, uh, there was a, a very steep learning curve uh, on it, of uh, learning how to, like, communicate what was in my brain into the audience's brain without them being able to see anything. Uh, the audio team had to help me a lot uh, in learning what sounds the, the brain could understand and what would be distinctive. Uh, surprisingly, someone knocking an arrow is a less distinctive sound than you might think. Um, and just getting used to being in, getting used to telling people what they were seeing uh, so that they could imagine it. Um, you know, coming from a world of, of show, don't tell uh, and learning, nope, you, you got to tell them. You have to. You have to tell them a little bit, and uh, that's okay. And so, yeah. So it was a, an interesting transition. That's pretty cool. 
Um, I'm a screenwriter myself, so seeing the differences between the two has always fascinated me, especially because he's right. You, like, you have to describe things so much more into detail. Um, so I guess let me ask you, for audiences who are unfamiliar about the, uh, the series and who Old Man Hawkeye is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about him and the Old Man Logan universe that influenced this entire uh, universe? Absolutely. So yeah, we're in the Old Man Logan universe where the uh, central idea is 30 years before uh, the series takes place, all the villains in the Marvel universe, uh, all of our our favorites, uh, Doctor Doom, Baron Zemo, um, the Red Skull, all banded together, rose up and killed, slaughtered in one day, all of the superheroes. yeah, the Avengers, the X-Men, just were, they were like, we're not messing around anymore, we're just going to kill them. Uh, and wound up dividing the country amongst themselves into each little sort of fiefdom. So uh, Hawkeye is one of the few survivors uh, from what we're calling V-Day, uh, when the villains rose up, uh, or victors, as they call themselves, because they get to write the history now. Uh, and he's now living in the kingdom, uh, which is barren, well, formerly Baron, now King Zemo's uh, domain in, in the Western United States. Uh, and so that's where the story is mainly set. Cool, cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so from Supergirl to Jessica Jones to Cloak and Dagger, what is it about the comic medium that you love uh, regarding superheroes and particularly strong women uh, superheroes? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, comic books, like, I'm a comic book fan from when I was a kid, from 10 years old, reading New Mutants. And so it's always been a a world and a format and a kind of storytelling that I found interesting. In fact, it's one of the the first places that I learned about storytelling. So a lot of my natural inclination just wanders back to a sort of genre of storytelling in in every way. Um, And so that's always been a fascination, getting to to work in these worlds and work with these characters. It's, It's it's been great. Uh, uh, all dream come true stuff. And as far as, you know, strong women, like, why aren't you? I don't understand why you wouldn't be attracted to telling a story about a strong and interesting and powerful woman, especially given that we live in such a misogynist and sexist world. You know, those struggles are, are primal and fascinating. Uh, and as a, a black writer, it's definitely something, you know, that I can get into and something I can connect with, uh, you know, that struggle for personhood, that struggle to be heard and seen, um, is something that I really understand and just want to communicate to, you know, when I was 10, uh, a, a black kid growing up in a very white suburb that I just sort of randomly shown up in, well, not random, my dad moved there, it was just like, I picked a place at random, um, <laughs> but like being the only, one of the only black kids in my town, reading the, the X-Men. Uh, as outsiders and reading the new mutants as teenagers and outsiders, that meant a lot to me. And I just want to, I don't know, tell stories that, that will do that for someone else. Oh, totally. And I think it's a fantastic thing that we're getting more representation now more than ever before and seeing yeah. other perspectives. Absolutely. Yes. It's great. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So this, this takes place in a world where earth's mightiest heroes are all gone, save mm-hmm. for one, which is Hawkeye. Um, in this grim future, can you talk a little bit about Hawkeye and, in particular, uh, Clinton Ashley Barton's relationship? Absolutely. I mean, that was the heart of it for me. You know, I was writing this in the middle of the pandemic, uh, in the in the shadow of the you know uprising, um, yeah. of the various uprisings of last year. So, out of all of that tumult, you know, the big question that sort of 
keeps rattling around in my brain is how do you, after something terrible happens, after a cataclysm, after an apocalypse, granted if you survive it, how do you rebuild? How do you remake the world? And, you know, there's an argument between uh, Ash and Clint um, and Bobby as well, very importantly, about, you know, what is our responsibility to future generations? What is what does justice look like? And, you know, what does it mean to let go of sort of your own personal vendettas and issues to, to work for something larger? You know, Hawkeye is, you know, famously a very, very chill, optimistic, funny, bright sort of character. So putting him in this dark place and, and then pulling him out of it, you know, pulling him out of this place of hopelessness and cynicism and anger uh, and Ash serving that purpose as someone who is at the beginning of the series, on the verge of that, you know, uh, and Clint as a father and Bobby as her mother trying to not let her go down the path they went down. And I feel like that there's a lot in that. There's a lot in sort of family cycles and, and breaking those that I was really personally unwinding and, and poured a lot of that into into those relationships. Mm, totally. And I do like their dynamic between the two. And you're right, it's weird seeing... Hawkeye becomes so disgruntled as an older adult, but like it, there is some glimmers of hope there, which I really think uh, you brought about well within the series. Um, so here's a funny question. Uh, how does blind archery work? And was there anything that you researched or uh, influenced uh, that influenced you to write uh, a character like this? Uh, I will tell you, I did no research. I okay. made it all up. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a little bit, there's a, a little glimmer of Daredevil in there, in the, you know, the sort of echolocation of it. Um, we we make some hay out of, you know, um, the a thing that's kind of fallen out. Uh, it's referenced a little bit in the movies and in more recent comments about Hawkeye also being partially deaf and having stark ear implants that help him... Um, so yeah, it's it's you know obviously a little bit of schmiancy, a little bit sort of comic booky, but the idea I, there's something also I just love about the image of a blind archer uh, and a blind yeah. archer being good at it, um, and uh, if there's anyone who could be, it would be you know Cliff Barton. It reminds me of uh, Rogue One, that one scene with the, uh, the Jedi. Oh, yeah, that's such a great <laughs> scene. one with the Force. Yeah, um, I was like, yeah. oh, that's pretty cool. And I yeah. love that he's he's in the circus of all things, and just, you know, kind of an act there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I wanted to call back to uh, those old comic book days, the old purple Hawkeye outfit, um, real old school, and, and those, uh, that origin, just sort of linked to it a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so... Uh, what is, like, one big theme that you hope audiences take away from the series by the end uh, of it? Oh, I mean, the big theme for me is redemption. Uh, and that redemption has a cost. Uh, it's important, it's necessary, but it can be hard. Uh, and it will not necessarily look the way you think it will. Uh, and that's, you know, I want all of these characters uh, to, to find redemption at the end of, at the, end of the day. Totally. And I can see that uh, playing out, and I think audiences will soon, too. Um, what do you think was the most challenging thing about everything with the creation of the series, especially in the midst of the pandemic? I mean, the most challenging, for me, the most challenging part was the, the making the shift of sort of audio storytelling okay. and and thinking about how to communicate, uh, like I said, what's in my head to what's in other people's heads. Uh, and and just figuring out the ins and outs of that and, and the sort of structure of this kind of storytelling um, 
that was that was to me the largest uh, sort of challenge. Uh, production was complicated, but you know we're all pretty comfortable with Zoom and, and Zoom like uh, programs. Uh, and it also honestly made casting kind of easy because one of the reasons we were able to get such an amazing cast is many of them were able to do it from their homes. Mm, uh, and yeah. that, that definitely uh, helped a bit. But yeah, it was mostly for me just, just thinking about how to communicate this story to my audience. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool. And again, uh, liking where it goes and you know, I'm excited for the rest. Um, so this is my final question. Uh, can you share any words of advice for anyone looking to become a screenplay or a scriptwriter themselves? Oh, um, write is always, that's my always default. Write, write a lot, and write what really matters to you. You know, write about what you think is important and what you care about. Um, the thing that's going to ring true always is the truth. Uh, and you've got to really make yourself comfortable with that and make yourself comfortable with sharing as much of your real, authentic truth as you can. Awesome. Uh, that's kind of all I got, but I'm more than down to just talk about the process <laughs> or anything, the weather even, <laughs> uh, what you're looking forward to the most, anything, really. I mean, the process was so great. The thing that I, the thing that I loved most about writing this was honestly the research for me. Okay. Um, once I sort of hit upon this Western setting, I really dug into Westerns. Um, my big sort of touchstone was True Grit. I, I watched both versions. They're both great. Yeah, I highly totally. recommend that if you haven't watched them, you should go watch them. They're, they're both different and terrific. Um, I watched a bunch of Clint Eastwood movies. I did not rewatch The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, uh, even though that's a title I just love saying and was, you know, obviously a, a big influence on building the Ringmaster show. Um, and so that was, I don't know, that, that to me is, was the thrill of getting to, to play in this sandbox with th those sort of character archetypes uh, yeah. with these Marvel characters. That's pretty cool. I noticed that you're mentioning a lot of Westerns here. So mm -hmm. this was like a heavy uh, genre influence for your approach? That was, the, that was the biggest genre influence. Um, okay, those sense. kinds of stories. That Just because just of that feel, that Monument Valley, you know, it's set very much in the desert. Um, and if there's any genre that is full of grizzled old warriors who are pulled back into the fight, uh, it's the Western. No, totally. I can see that. Uh, and I, I do like, again, it's because it's the father-daughter story of the, mm -hmm. you know, surviving, like, at the worst, like, situations and, and finding redemption and in a weird way vengeance, too. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And the difference uh, between the two. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about Ash, actually, and her, how her experiences kind of mirror her dad's? That was, Ash to me is, is you know, the, the fulcrum and the beating heart in, in many ways. You know, she's the, obviously the co-lead of the show, and, like, I really wanted to pour as much of sort of my own teenage angst uh, that I could still access into her and into that point in a, a person's life where you kind of are at that crossroads of what kind of person am I going to be? You know, those, those are the years where you try to figure out how do I really view the world, uh, what do I want to pursue? And, you know, Ash has these sort of, all of these forces uh, arrayed around her. Um, you know, Clint and Bobby and all the people she meets at the, the circus and all of that as she's trying to figure it out. And there's so much that sort of hinges upon 
the, the choices Ash is going to make. You know, ultimately, you know, she says at the, the end of the first episode, she wants to kill someone. And that, just, just that question and whether or not she will go through with it and why she wants to do it and what effect that would have on her and what effect that question has on Clint. Like that to me is the, is the heart of the whole thing. And just getting to that uh, and coming back to that question as, as often as I could uh, to try to answer it was, was my, my big goal. Yeah, totally. And it shows. And I, again, uh, I do love the dynamic. I love the setup and how it mirrors everything. Uh, is there anything else you want to say or promote, actually, since uh, <laughs> kind of that time? I mean, yeah, if, if people want to watch, we've got four more episodes of Supergirl. Uh, if you're watching this in, in late 2021, uh, Supergirl wraps up in four more episodes, so uh, tune in and see how the story ends. <laughs>